Warning, listener discretion advised. A Slut with Morals is explicit in every way. This episode contains adult language and graphic sexual humor. If these things trigger you, please rethink listening now or listen with a friend. If these things don't trigger you, then please enjoy the show in three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome to the 60th episode of A Slut with Morals. I'm your Curvilicious host, Ruby May. Welcome to the very first episode that is also a video episode and is now available on YouTube. That's right. I finally did it. Okay, enough of that. If you're new here, welcome to a podcast of chaos where we embrace the weird. Not just that, but we tend to embrace the bold and a little bit of the scandalous. Oh yes, my little heathens. I talk a little bit about everything, a little sex, a little dating, relationship advice, true crime, dark history, the paranormal, and of course, a bit of mental health. Honestly, with this podcast, you really never know what you're going to get. And to be honest, I like keeping you on your toes. It's a way for me to keep things interesting and not repeat myself and repeat myself and repeat myself, right? It's a little boring after a while, but it's a way for me to keep things interesting, and hopefully help you be a better you. And like I say at the end of every episode, every day is a good day to be better than who you were yesterday. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here with me every single step of the way. And I mean, look at where we are now. Our first episode on YouTube would not be here without you, you guys. Thank y'all. If you're listening via Spotify or Apple or wherever, and you want to watch the video instead, I'll be linking the YouTube channel in the description below. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I was feeling really discouraged here lately. I'm seeing all of these new podcasts coming out, and they have what seems like a whole production team, a studio. I mean, these people seem to have sponsorships, like, straight out the fucking bucket, man. And it's hard, you know? I was really thinking this was going to be my last episode or the last episode of A Slut with Morals, and I was really ready to hang my hat this morning, but y'all can thank my favorite, Jessica's. After talking to Just Try Me 7, who is a fan favorite, and of course my guru and the woman I turn to when I need help or I'm learning something about men's mental health, she's the one that I go to for advice. They both talked me out of it, so you can think my my most favorite Jessica's. Anyway, if you do end up heading over to the YouTube channel, please be kind in the comment section. Everything is still slightly rocky as, you know, it's my first time, but nonetheless, through trial and error, we prevail, right? Anyways, while I was in a bed at a hotel room off some old Texan highway, I woke up, and I'm not sure if anyone else does this, but... Before I even start looking at my notifications, I start reading the news, and an article by Psychology Today caught my attention. If y'all tuned into my Instagram Live I did with Jessica a few weeks ago, then you know what today's episode is about. And I mean, I'm also sure the title of the episode also kind of helped a little bit with foreshadowing, but a few weeks ago, I ran two polls on my Instagram. The first poll was, how many of you have dated someone already in a relationship. 76% of you said you had. Then the other poll 
was, do you or do you know someone that will only date people that are already taken? 56% of you said no. Somebody's lying. Look, I've done things I'm not proud of, okay? I've been the other woman twice. One, I had no idea I was the other woman until a week before his wedding. Oh, yeah. That is a whole other fucking story. And I actually think that I just posted that story on my Facebook page. Like, I've been doing these dating horror stories on there, which is essentially just a summary of the podcast episodes of the first season. Anyway, the other time I was the other woman, I knew what I was doing, but my feelings for him had clouded my judgment. But, you know, we grow, right? Get a chance to get away from that. We, we learn to make better choices, right? So the article that I saw on Psychology Today was relationship poaching. And I was like, the fuck is that? Because poaching is like, you know, people that kill animals or whatever, right? Like the poachers are the people that hunt the animals, correct? So what is a relationship poacher? Or what is relationship poaching? Relationship poaching is a form of infidelity that occurs when someone knowingly attracts the mate of another with the intention of starting a sexual and or romantic relationship with that individual. Relationships formed from poaching tend to be of way lower quality than their non-poached counterparts. A history of sociosexuality that propels seeking new partnerships without regard for exclusivity. In other words, it's a way to be in a relationship with someone that's already taken, but you don't want to be exclusive. And that's for the poacher, all right? It's a safe way to be able to leave a relationship without all the heartache and the drama. But unfortunately, the poacher usually forgets that the other person kind of has feelings. And that person tends to form an attachment. But why do these relationship poachers only want someone that's already in a relationship? Let's be honest. It's all about the thrill of the hunt. I can take you, man, if I want to. Type of beta bitch ass shit. All right. Now, I'm not saying this to be mean, but the way you get them is the way you lose them, honey. Now, a new term I just introduced to you, which is sociosexuality, is sometimes called sociosexual orientation. It is the individual difference in the willingness to engage in sexual activity outside of a committed relationship. Essentially, they're a person that loves to make people cheat on their significant part or their significant others, partners, whatever. It's the same word, right? Then when they're done with them, they just throw them away. Like I said, they try to leave, no strings attached, but of course. And like I said, they have no regard for what happens next to that person. Not your monkey, not your circus. Am I right? What's funny, though, is that during a hypothetical study, they found that 56% of women would cheat on or even leave their partner for someone wealthier, whereas men would cheat on their partner for someone more attractive. So this is kind of like when 
everyone when people are like looks aren't everything well first of all looks are the thing that kind of reel you in at first and then their dope ass personality is what keeps you there like fuck me if i'm wrong but yeah i mean unless you're purely attracted to intelligence i mean even then you still have to be attracted to the person that you're dating if you're not attracted to them why are you even with them so when people say looks aren't important yeah they kind of are now before we move on to post your personality traits if you've learned something today or just simply like the sound of my voice do me a favor and break into the rate and review buttons house move all of the furniture two inches to the left and steal all of the batteries out of the remote controls and then leave. Anyways, back to the episode. Mate poaching strategies are differentially associated with pathological personality traits and risk-taking in both men and women. Let's be real. When you cheat on your significant other, you are risking their health, especially if you guys don't use condoms. And guys, we've talked about that before, literally like an episode or two ago. But some personality traits of people that will try to poach are people that are narcissistic, have psychopathic tendencies, which if you listened to my love bombing episode, I list all of those traits there. But these poachers are people that are duplicitous, right? They're fucking really great liars. And when you catch them in those lies, they somehow turn it around and blame it on you. Because, you know, they're assholes. Anyway, other traits are they are aggressive, impulsive, and huge sensation and attention seekers. So people who allow themselves to be partner poached into new romances have a higher tendency to have severely dysfunctional relationships with the poacher. People who had been poached tend to be socially passive not particularly nice to others, pretty careless, irresponsible, and high-key narcissistic. I don't know. If you need to listen to that Love Bombers episode again, you know where to go. Season three. So essentially, people that have been poached or are the poachers, they're not going to be happy in their new relationship once the fire and the passion dies down They really have nothing else to keep them together other than probably a kid. And let's be real, those that stay together for the kids, well, they shouldn't always be together. And what sucks is that women are usually the poachers. In a 2004 study, 54% of women had poached their current partner out of already committed relationships. And other articles that I was reading, and ladies, y'all want to, y'all want to, pay attention to this a little bit. A lot of the times it was a close friend or family member that poached the boyfriend or the husband. So just keep an eye out. If something feels fishy, trust your gut. Your gut's never wrong. So relationship poaching occurs not only worldwide, but about 15% of relationships today are poached relationships. That doesn't necessarily mean that They poached someone and kept on poaching. But it's like I said, sometimes you learn your fucking lesson and never do that shit again. And you're just like, oh my God, that was really fucking terrible. (laughs) 
okay, bye. And then hopefully, like I said, you never do it again, which, you know, that's, which is what we do here, right? We learn and we grow as we go. At least I hope so. Otherwise, this podcast is just for shits and giggles at this point. And then again, the way you get them is the way you lose them. But see, this is where I started heading down a rabbit hole. And y'all know me, I start Googling shit. And because of that, like, I then have to like info dump on you guys. So here we go. Men are 20% more likely to cheat. And only 13% of women cheat during a committed marriage or relationship. Sorry, fellas. I can't defend the statistics here, okay? The number one reason men cheat is sexual desire and unmet sexual needs. And the number one reason women cheat is to fill an emotional void. The basis for either to cheat, and this is honestly every fucking article that I read, okay? It was like tons and tons and tons of them because you guys know I like to deep dive. Anyway, after, after all of these articles, I was like, okay, but what is like the main reason, right? Like what leads a partner to cheating? And I'm going to list them slowly, but the number one reason was low self-esteem, loneliness, emotional starvation, sexual deprivation, lack of excitement, they're no longer in love, dissatisfaction in the relationship, and last of all, revenge. So let's talk about that low self-esteem issue because cheating usually begins, well, emotionally. It could be an instance of you hate yourself, then you seek out others that will tell you you're attractive because you need that validation from others even though you probably already have someone at home that's absolutely in love with you, your body, and they tell you that you're so hot and sexy and et cetera, and they always just want to touch you and fuck you. And, but, you know, you, you just, you kind of, you just need more. You're a greedy fuck and you just want some more. Or it could be the completely polar opposite and your partner makes you feel like shit about yourself and you're probably already a, fucking attractive person but they put you down so consistently or any chance that they get and you know so you look for it elsewhere or someone at work tells you you're pretty or handsome or etc or someone online there really is no knowing here except for you that's in that relationship all I know is the self-esteem is low and someone is telling you you're attractive or you're funny or you're so cute or and it makes you feel good. And so you probably develop a little bit of a crush. Yeah. Loneliness is pretty, well, it's pretty fucking simple. Either you are lonely, your partner makes you feel lonely, or your partner is away a lot. And I mean, come on, how many military couples do we see that are like, you know, the whole Jody thing? Yeah. Now, emotional starvation occurs when a couple has allowed certain circumstances to bind them so tightly into responsibility roles that no time is available. Uh, that sorry, I'm getting mush mouth. That no time is available for.
for either intimate communication or time to be intimate at all. And you end up just kind of losing yourself in everything but your relationship. Yeah. Sexual deprivation. And I mean, this one's also easy. It's when your partner deprives you of sex, right? Or they use sex as a weapon or not a weapon, but like they use sex against you. Like, oh, well, if you don't take out the trash, I'm not going to fuck you. Yeah, it's kind of fucked up. That's no. And y'all, if you haven't been on Reddit and looked up the dead bedroom forum, it's really eye-opening to see how many people, like you're not alone. If you are in a dead bedroom, you are not alone in this. And honestly, it's sad. This forum has different terms for different things, such as high libido, low libido, and so many of these people end up getting divorced after months and years of trying because after so many months or years of feeling rejected consistently and continuously, they begin to build up this resentment towards their partner, which honestly, to me, that's pretty fucking understandable, right? I think so. Like, if I was being consistently rejected, I would just, my God, I, anyway, moving on to lack of excitement. Everything is routine, nothing new, nothing fun, same positions, same dinner, same shows. Everything is always the same. Your life is now completely monotone and boring. Which sucks because when you guys first started dating, you probably went hiking and you probably always went to new bars and you always went to go see the new movie or whatever. Yeah, I kind of get that. Like, I love going to concerts. And if I ended up marrying someone and we didn't go to concerts, I would be really pressed. Like, think of the thing that you love to do the most, right? Golf, hockey, going to concerts or whatever. And then you just stop doing the things you love or your partner holds you back from doing the things you love. Nah, man. I think that if your partner truly loves you, they'll encourage you to do the things that you love. Anyway, to the next one. Your partner is no longer in love with you. This one hurts, but it happens. And the fucked up part is a lot of the times they may love you, but they're no longer in love with you. And that is a huge difference. Like, I love nachos, but I'm not in love with nachos, right? Like, I can go to a restaurant, and if they don't have nachos on the menu, I'm not going to be like, no, absolutely not. We have to leave right the fuck now. I can't. I fucking cannot. Like, no, I'll be fine. I will be okay. I had to use a nacho analogy. I haven't had nachos in forever. Okay, so take a moment to look back on the very beginning of your relationship, if you're in one, obviously, or if you just exited one, because the blame isn't completely on you. It takes two to tango, but let's just, let's just look through this list really fast. So like I said, take a moment to look back on the very beginning of your relationship. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and then pause for a little bit. But I'll give you a few seconds to kind of reflect so you can answer them. All right. Did you keep all of those promises you made? Do you still do the things you did when you were dating? Do you flirt with each other just because and not expect it to lead to sex? 
Do you still chase them like when you were trying to get them? Do you buy them a gift out of nowhere and not just because it's expected, like a birthday, a holiday, or an anniversary? I mean, even if it's just their favorite snack. Do you guys even talk to each other? See, my man Alice Cooper said it right. Act like you're still dating them, like you're still trying to keep them. I mean, it's hard for someone to steal someone away from you when they can't even imagine a life without you. And ladies, your man, once again, is not a mind reader. He never has been. He never will be. If you want something, tell them exactly what you want. I would like it if you bought me roses. I would like it if we went to go see that movie. I would love it if you tied me up and pounded me into the mattress until the sun rises and we leave puddles all over the fucking bed. Walking around and huffing and puffing and sighing and eye-rolling, banging pots and pans and slamming doors isn't going to do anything but annoy the both of you and build resentment towards each other. Constant, clear, and precise communication is a fucking lifesaver anywhere you use it. Work, home, school, bed. Constant, clear, and precise communication is a fucking lifesaver. I know. You're probably like, Ruby, you just said that. I know. I just had to repeat it so that it would stick to you. So say, you know, if you're in the kitchen and you ask your partner for help around the house, but you specifically need help in the kitchen, tell them you specifically need help in the kitchen. Okay. I think that that kind of also covers dissatisfaction in a relationship. I'm sorry. Excuse my mush mouth. So now all we have left is revenge. I don't really understand revenge. I never have. I probably never will. So of course my autistic brain had to look it up in the fucking dictionary. Revenge. To avenge oneself or another, usually by retaliating. So they cheated. Now it's my turn. You're both fucking doofuses. I think the best revenge is just letting them see you do good all on your own, but I can't speak on this. So of course, I took this to Reddit. Dear Reddit, what is the best revenge you've gotten on someone that has cheated on you? This one guy said, I just ended up working on myself, started working out, got money, and became the best version of myself. When she came crawling back to me, I rejected her. Savage burn, home slice. I felt that. But this next story, it's fucking bonkers. So hold on to your butts because we're diving in deep. Here we go. This Reddit user said, Basically, my first love cheated on me and caused a lifetime of worries when it comes to relationships. A couple of years later, we got back together and tried again. Lo and behold, history repeated itself. Fast forward eight years, she's now married with a kid and my father just passed away. And on the day of his funeral, the whole funeral party goes to the beach to celebrate his life. My ex walks by with her kid and husband and we all have a chat and I tell them the situation. The ex then says to her husband, look, I've known him and his family for years. I'm going to have a drink with them. Can you take the kid back? Anyway, we get drunk. She then proceeds to tell me how bad her relationship was and we stay at the beach all night talking. Next thing I know, out of the blue, she says she still loves me, and she's going to do something about it. And before I've even said a word, she's ringing her husband and says she wants a divorce. 
They argue for about 30 minutes, and I just carry on drinking. Her husband leaves her home with the kid, and we are absolutely hammered at this point. We go back to her house, and we fuck. And I mean that I've missed you a lot fucking on anywhere you can think of. At this point, after her cheating twice and my father passing away, I'm pretty detached from any emotion whatsoever. So I just didn't give a fuck. And this is where the payback happened. This was my time to pay back the bitch that broke my heart twice. We built this relationship up for about three weeks after this day, always seeing each other and having cute little dates. She is dead in love with me like she has never been before. I see it in her smile when I catch her off guard. I see it in the way she always wants to know about my day. She was fully suckered in. My chance is now. One night I'm at her house while she's out with her mom and friends having a night out and her best friend comes by to drop something off. I invite her to stay and have a drink. She accepts. One thing leads to another and we start fucking mercilessly and I purposely picked her best friend up and start fucking her in front of them wireless motion detector cameras that give your phone notifications when your baby moves through this baby monitor I hear screaming and crying I mean every emotion I went through in years within her in minutes the words you horrible cunt I left my husband to be with you come out of her I pound her best friend harder and harder Till I end up coming, kiss this girl, and look into the camera and say, that's what you get for breaking my heart when I didn't deserve it. Me and her best friend have been married for three years now. The end. Boy, was that a fucking wild ride, wasn't it? I mean, I guess you could kind of say he had his cake and he ate it too. But alright, that is it from me today, you guys. I hope that you learned something from this episode until next week hit up the patreon it's just one dollar a month and you can cancel it at any time it's just a way to support the podcast patreon subscribers already get a get-go at the new merch that's going to be dropping soon on the online store with an exclusive promo code for 20 percent off but just a few quick announcements if you would like to support the podcast without having to sign up to a patreon you can always click the link in the description below and that'll take you to my cash app, my PayPal, etc. All of that money goes towards the podcast. I have been going through something really shitty, really personal. And I just want to thank all of my silent sponsors once again, because you guys have been fucking amazing. I honestly, I don't know where I would be without you guys. Another quick announcement is October is quickly approaching. It's almost September. And I really want to get a few stories in for October. So if you write scary stories, if you write creepy pasta, if something supernatural or paranormal has happened to you, please send your stories into a slut with morals at gmail.com. You can sign them anonymous if you'd like. You can also just sign them with your initials. Doesn't really matter. I honestly just do not want to have to write 30 stories of my own <laughs> in order to make October really spooky. So once again, link in the description below. You guys can email them or you can DM me and I will read them. If you think that you are not a great writer, don't worry about that. I can also work with you. I won't change anything. That way it is still your story and your words. But yeah, just send those in and 
let me know when you do so that I can go in and read them and choose hopefully out of hundreds of them because I want to do probably like 30 to 60 stories for the month of October. I want it to be really spooky. I can't afford paranormal investigators this year. So yeah. All right. I love you all. Thank you so much for letting me be the voice in your ear. And I can't wait till next week to be able to talk to you again. And like I say, every day is a good day to be better than who you were yesterday. Hey, thanks. Bye.